When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 19, and today we're talking about books released on September 15th, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Miss Liberty. So, uh, we were just discussing earlier, um, this is like the biggest book release day of the year. It is. There are so many. I don't know why that is, but... It's magical. We're after Labor Day. It's like the kickoff of the big fall publishing season. And if either of us could read more books, this would be a show that was like four times as long, devoted to all the good September 15th books. Except then we'd be so far behind for all of the other weeks, I just can't handle thinking about it. So we've stuck to some favorites. These are good ones. These are such good ones. Um, Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that they can come hang out with us at Book Riot Live in New York on November 7th and 8th. It's going to be Book Nerd Bonanza, Palooza, Big Time Party. Um, There are panels and great speakers from all over the genre and medium map. They're going to be talking about not stuff specifically related to their genres that they write, but bigger issues in publishing and literature and broader ideas about books and the reading life. We're having fancy cocktail parties at The Strand. Margaret Atwood is going to be speaking. N.K. Jemison, Daniel Jose Older, Beverly Jenkins, Sarah McLean, so many more. We'll have a live recording of this show so you can watch us flail around in person and many other cool events. So go to bookriotlive.com to get all the info. Use the code MOREcats, M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, all one word, to save 20 bucks on your registration. Or while supplies last... You should click your way to happiness and use the code Matilda instead to get two tickets to see Matilda on Broadway. You can't use both codes. You can either save 20 bucks with more cats or you can use the code Matilda while the supplies last to get a set of tickets to see Matilda the musical adapted from the wonderful Roald Dahl book on Broadway. That's a pretty sweet deal. Either way, yeah, it's great. Either way, come hang out with us in November. We can't wait to party with you and talk books with you and wear nerdy sweatshirts with you and uh, embarrass ourselves live in front of a studio audience. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> it's going to be great. We're just going to – it's, it's going to be great. <laughs> I love when a bunch of bookish people get together in a room because you know that they'd all rather be sitting by themselves reading. <laughs> and, like, you can just – like, everyone's excited, but at the same time, everyone's like – I'd rather be with my book right now. Maybe we can just make it par for the course at Book Riot Live that you just carry your book around. We are going to have some quiet... Yes, we could keep switching them. We could. Um, we're going to have some quiet reading areas actually built in. So if you you know see a speaker that you like and you buy their book and get it signed or whatever, and you just want to like curl up in the corner for 20 minutes or two hours and read your book surrounded by other people who love books, but in the privacy of your own brain, you can absolutely do that too. Um, because Book Riot is powered by... By introverts who know that that's important. 
If you violate their quiet space by being loud, do you go to book jail? Sure. We could. We could build like a book jail in the corner and you'd have to make a donation to a literary organization to get out. Oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) Bail yourself out. All right. I'm way down the rabbit hole here. So why don't you tell us about new books this week? Okay. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I love these books and I'm ready to talk about them. Can you tell that I'm stalling because my brain won't, won't start? Like, my synapses <laughs> are like, we'll you see like you later. <laughs> pushing your sleeves up and diving in uh, and getting ready yeah, to go. No. I was like, it's time to record the podcast. I can't even talk. It's time to record the podcast. So my brain was like, all right, I'm going to the mall. I'm going to get an orange Julius and a pretzel, and I'll see you in about an hour. Oh, bring me back a Mrs. Fields chocolate chip. Yeah. So, But I'll see what I can do. So the first book I'm going to talk about today is called Dumplin' by Julie Murphy. Um, everyone's probably heard about this. It, everybody's talking about it. It's wonderful. Everyone's raving. So I was like, I have to read this. And now I, too, am a Dumplin' fanatic. It's fantastic. Uh, Willow Dean, nicknamed Dumplin', is a 16-year-old teenager in a small town in Texas, and she is fat. She hates how people flinch when she refers to herself as fat, like it's a bad thing. She's fat. She knows it. She doesn't think it's a bad thing. Willow Dean, obviously, she has great self-esteem. Uh, her mother is in charge of the town's annual beauty pageant, and when Willow Dean was young, she used to try and put her on crash diets and make her thinner uh, until Willow Dean's aunt, Lucy, intervened. Uh, Lucy weighed almost 500 pounds, and on top of instilling a healthy love for Dolly Parton, she also taught Willow Dean that it is not worth it in life to go through being concerned or afraid of what others think. And so Willow Dean embraces this philosophy. She says... Why should the fact that people seem to think that showing her fat thighs at the pool is going to bring about the apocalypse keep her from swimming? That's their problem. So she has, she has this great outlook on life. And suddenly, everything changes when Bo, the very cute, very nice boy that she works with, shows an interest in her. Or more than an interest, like a lot of kissing happens. <laughs> um, you know, and now suddenly, even though Bo has never done anything wrong, anything to make her feel bad, Willow Dean is very aware of her size. Like, what does Bo think about kissing her when she doesn't look like the girls in the magazines or what society thinks she should look like? And she gets very uncomfortable about this, and she feels strange when he touches her and holds her. Like, it's like there's something wrong with her. Um, and it makes it hard for her to believe he really likes her for who she is. She's really thrown by this self-doubt, um, and she's also fed up with people always assuming that she doesn't participate in the beauty pageant that her mother runs. So she does what she thinks is necessary to get her groove back. She enters the pageant. And I'm going to stop right there because okay. I don't want to give away any more. It sounds so good. It's so good. It's smart and funny and important. Um, you know, Willow Dean really has it together, and everyone could learn a lot from her. Awesome. And again, that is Dumplin' by Julie Murphy. I'm going to read that. Everybody at Book Riot has been buzzing about it behind the scenes for the last, like, month or so. It just seems like every day someone else is reading Dumplin' and talking about it. I haven't gotten there yet. I think I'm going to take it on vacation with me in the next week or so. It sounds great. Fabulous. Before I do my first pick, I want to thank our first sponsor this week. We have The Last September by Nina DeGramont. This is out now. It came out, or well, it's out now by the time you're listening to it. It is not out on the day that we are recording the show, but it'll be out by the time you hear this. Uh, this is a great novel. I just read it over the weekend. Uh, it's about a couple, Brett and Charlie. Uh, Brett is the girl's name, so think like New England D, waspy kind of family. Um, they have been in love since the day they first laid eyes on each other in college. It was young love. 
love and, you know, sort of that obsessive quality at first. But the book opens with Charlie's death. Um, He has been murdered and Charlie's brother, Eli, um, who has been suffering from schizophrenia for several years, is the prime suspect. Um, All of the clues point to him, uh, but any number of people might have been driven to kill Charlie because he he was one of those like well-meaning people who unwittingly caused a lot of damage uh, in his life. And Brett now is looking back over their life together and especially the last few years of their marriage that were very difficult, looking at her kind of her role in his life, what role she might have played in his death um, if in fact he was killed by his brother and really processing her feelings about how it wasn't just a storybook romance that they had, but that their marriage was very complicated and their family is very complicated. Um, The book explores the difference between the person you fall in love with or like the idea that you fall in love with of the person that you're getting to know and who that person actually is as it comes out over the years of living together and seeing each other's flaws. Um, It begins with this very dramatic event. And we were talking last week when we talked about the secret history and Skippy dies about loving books that start with like the big thing and then go back to unfurl how that big thing happens. And this is one of those. I really appreciated the format of it. Sold. Yeah, it's great. Um, Brett was friends with Eli, Charlie's brother, who um, has been dealing with schizophrenia first. She was friends with him in college. They were best friends before he was ever diagnosed. And she also is recalling their friendship and what it's been like to watch him suffer from this illness and and try to fight it um, and what it's done to their family. Um, So there's a really interesting experience. angle and exploration of mental health and what that does to individuals' lives and to family life together um, about how mental illness affects not just the person who's dealing with it, but everyone who forms that person's support system. And it's it's great. This was It was very compelling. I was wondering up until the end if there was going to be some kind of big whodunit, um, whether it was really Eli Howe. Uh, and there's some good surprises in here, too. Um, If you watched The Affair on Showtime, which I just binge watched recently, I think this will ring all of your bells. Uh, It's, you know, a dark thing happening in a really beautiful place. The story takes place on... um in a small village, I think like near Cape Cod. Uh, And you can see that setting come into the story. So again, the book is called The Last September. It's by Nina D. Gramont. Go to algonquin.com slash book slash the hyphen last hyphen September uh, to get information. And of course, we'll have it in the show notes or you can check it out wherever books are sold. So thanks to them for sponsoring The Last September, which you can pick up if you would like a good tense read about the messiness of life and marriage, which is a thing that I really like. And that leads me to my first selection this week. Yes. Yeah. Biggest, yeah. biggest book of the fall. Yeah. Biggest book of the fall. My favorite book of the year so far, I think, um, possibly my favorite book of the year. I think it's going to come to fisticuffs at Book Riot when we get to the part at the oh, end of this yeah. year where we have to fight over who gets to pick which books as their favorite for the year to write up uh, in our big giant post. So this is Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. This is a big, delicious novel. Uh, It's about a couple who also meet in college. They're named Lotto. His real name is Lancelot, but he goes by Lotto and Matilde. They meet at a party, their eyes lock across a room. And like, as a joke, he gets down on one knee and asks her to marry him. 
but she says yes. And so they have a very quick whirlwind courtship and they do get married. Lotto is this very charming sort of golden boy. He grew up with privilege. He's been the star of a bunch of the Shakespearean plays at their college, and he wants to go on to have a professional um, theater acting career. Matilda's more reserved. Her personality is darker. She's struggled in life. Um, And this follows them for 24 years of their life together. Lotto becomes a playwright and Matilde gives her life over to supporting his career through those like young, hungry years of really struggling in New York City and then into how he becomes successful. Uh, This book then has a big switch in the middle where we get their story from both perspectives. And it's about how very different two people's experiences of the same relationship can be, um, how very different two people's tellings of the same experiences can be, and what it's like to be in a marriage or in a long-term relationship, uh, the, those things about it that live in your head that you never communicate to your partner or to the people who, who know both of you. Um, there's this Rilke quote from Letters to a Young Poet that I think about a lot with marriage, where um, Rilke is telling the recipient of the letters uh, stuff about what makes a good marriage. And he says that even between the closest people, infinite distances exist. Um, and I think Groff taps into that really beautifully in this book. Um, in her blurb, for it, Meg Wallitzer says that Lauren Groff finds a place that is perhaps as hard to reach as it is to describe about marriage. Um, I wish that I had written that blurb. That's exactly how I felt about this book. It's ambitious. She takes risks. Uh, it's it's dark and unafraid of the dark stuff that's in us. Um, it's so compelling. I think you start it and you will just be hooked from the very first page. Her writing is gorgeous. Um, This is a big, big novel. And I loved the crap out of it. Uh, That's Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Yeah. And if you're, you know, wait, if you're like number 587 at the library waiting to get it, or you're unable to pick up a copy, I highly suggest checking out her backlist while you wait. Oh, yes. Her other books are also incredible. So that's yay, Lauren Groff. Yay, Lauren. Yay. I was very sad because she went on a Twitter hiatus while she wrote the book. But she's back. And now she's back. You know, if you're unable to buy the book, you might also look at the Riverhead Books Instagram account. They're running a bunch of different uh, giveaways. So there are different ways that you can win Fates and Furies. Yes. Just get the book and put it in your face. Yes. So I have great news. This is very exciting news um, that I'm very excited to share with people. Or if they already know about it, then, you know, remind them. Uh, there is a new Patrick DeWitt book. Woo-hoo! Yay! Did you read Can The Sisters Brothers? I did not. Oh, well. Like, I have it. I swear it's on my <laughs> stack. That's all right. Um, it is, The Sisters Brothers is one of my favorite books and one of the greatest Westerns ever written. I mean, I, I just adore the hell out of this book. Um, my friend Megan was nice enough to get me a copy signed several years ago uh, at an event where she saw him, like, in New York City or something, which I then used the DNA to clone Patrick DeWitt and make several, but that's a story for another time. Um, that's the next season of Orphan next- Black. <laughs> His new book is called, it's so much fun to say, Under Major Domo Minor. That's two words. Under Major Domo Minor. Um, it is a bizarre and wonderful folktale of sorts about Lucy Minor. Lucy is a young man in the sleepy hamlet of Bury. Uh, his father has died. His mother isn't all that interested in the fact that he exists. Um, he has no friends. He has no love. He has no job. It doesn't help that he's a sickly, compulsive liar, like when you're trying to make friends and 
and get a job. It doesn't help. Um, he's feeling restless, so he decides to take a position far away from Bury at a castle working under the Major Domo. Therefore, he's the under Major Domo minor. Um, the fact that this new town and job are going to be unusual is apparent right off the bat. Several of the town's inhabitants seem to be waging a war against one another for fun. Um, and when he gets to the castle, he discovers that it is in disrepair and has a very bare-bone staff, as in, like, two other people. Oh, dear. It's dark, it's dank, it's weird. Um, and then there's this thing where the major domo uh, shows him to his room at the end of the day and is all like, Oh, yeah, good night. Be sure to lock your bedroom door when you go to sleep. No big deal, but be sure to lock your bedroom door when you go to sleep. So <laughs> yeah, that's you're like, really reassuring. Yeah. So despite all this, Lucy makes a life for himself in the village, finding friends and even love. Um, I'm not going to spoil any more of it. Uh, I just want to say it's amazing. It's so good. So good. I was so nervous to read this because I love the sister brother so much, but I just flat out love it. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Walter Mower. He's a German author. If you're not familiar with him, he wrote um, The City of Dreaming Books and The Thirteen and a Half Lives of Captain Blue Bear. Reminded me a lot of that. Um, Under Major Domo Minor is very, very different from the Sisters Brothers, which itself was very different from his first novel, Ablutions. And I just, I love that about it, like e that each of his books has been so different and yet so wonderful. Um, it, all the A pluses, all the Muppet Arms. And again, it's called Under Major Domo Minor by Patrick DeWitt. That's sitting on my dining room table right now, and I can't see it without thinking about Major, 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 Major from Catch-22 and that same, like, unsettling, sort of hilarious, absurd voice. Yeah, it's so good, and it's such a great cover. I love the cover. It is a beautifully designed book. Uh, my next pick couldn't really be any more different <laughs> from that. Uh, it's Half an Inch of Water by Percival Everett. This is a collection of short stories because it's not an episode of all the books if I don't talk about a collection of short stories. Um, Percival Everett is a prolific and acclaimed writer. Uh, and this was my first time reading him. I don't know how it took me so long, but our colleague Jen at Book Riot was like, hey, Rebecca, this new Percival Everett, it's great and you should really read it. And I did, and I'm so glad. Uh, these are quiet, matter-of-fact short stories about life in the American West. Most of them are set like out in big sky country, but it occasionally t touches and verges on the weird and otherworldly. Uh, there's an older woman who goes out for a ride on her horse one day just to think about things, but while she's out, she has these strange hallucinations. Uh, there is a man and his daughter who have a big argument and they go for a hike to resolve it and think that they're encountering a bear and something about this possible encounter with a possible bear um, changes their relationship. But it also touches on uh, more serious, very grounded issues about race, the experience of being a black person in the contemporary wilderness, which is very white, like Montana is very white, um, and our relationship with animals and to animals as we uh, tame them and keep them for our own use. There are so many, like, it's kind of deceptively simple, these stories. They're, they seem so straightforward. And you think like, oh, okay, this is a short story about a country vet who gets called to help a person with a sick horse. And then something comes and just whacks you in the face in the middle of the story that you didn't expect to happen or an observation that a character will make that you didn't see coming because you get lulled into this is a simple, straightforward story. But Percival Everett is packing 
something powerful in every piece. It, it, it's such a great collection. I'm, it made me want to go buy the rest of his backlist and then just like take off a month and read every short story that he's ever written. Um, and so this new one is called Half an Inch of Water. It is out from Grey Wolf Press. And I found it to be a really good starting point. I have no idea how it compares to the rest of his body of work, but I thought it was really excellent. I love Grey Wolf Press. Yes, they're they're just awesome. They're so awesome. Um, speaking of another small press, uh, they have are re- releasing a new edition of a Japanese classic called The Tokyo Zodiac Murders by Soji Shimada. Um, this was originally released in 1981, and they have a new edition coming out. Uh, Shimada is often referred to as a pioneer of the shinhonaku, or logic mystery genre. I'm sure I just totally botched that. Um, he is called the God of Mystery in Japan. Oh, Yes. I wonder if that comes with dental. Um, it opens with artist Umizawa's journal, in which he describes a scenario in which he murders all of his daughters. Oh. Yeah. He writes the thing. He's like, yeah, if I was going to murder all my daughters, <laughs> like like you do. Um, Just these, hypothetically. Yeah. These are the very strange and specific ways I would do it. Now, Lock your bedroom door, but not that there's anything <laughs> no, to worry no about. No reason. Now, fast forward four decades, uh, self-proclaimed genius detective Kiyoshi Mitari is being told the story of how shortly after uh, Yumazawa wrote that journal entry, he himself was found murdered in his locked studio, and all his daughters had been murdered in the very ways he had written about. Ooh. Yeah. Now, no one has ever been able to figure out who killed him or the girls, or how the murderer was even able to get in and out of the artist's locked studio. Um, for lack of a better suspect, they end up charging and imprisoning the artist's wife. But uh, now a new piece of evidence has fallen into Detective Matari's hands, and he ends up taking a bet that he can solve the 40-year-old mystery in under a week. Um, I have read a ton of mysteries. I read a ton of mysteries. I love mysteries. And I think that the fact that I read so many contributes to the fact that I am frequently disappointed by them. Oh, sure. Because I feel like I've seen it all, or the book announces that there's a major twist, like, on the cover. So Mm -hmm. I'm immediately looking for one, you know, like, his brother is actually a penguin, or, you know, the giraffe can read lips. Um, Very small rocks. I don't know. But um, that was not the case with the Tokyo Zodiac murders. I had no idea what was going on. Not, like, in a confusing way, but, like... I don't know who did it. Um, The author Shimada even interrupts the book about two-thirds of the way in, and he's like, hey, FYI, you now have all the clues you need to solve this. Have you figured it out yet? And I was like, no, Mr. Shimada, I haven't a freaking idea. (laughs) It's so good. Um, There's a piece from the publisher at the end of the book about how this novel belongs to a very popular subgenre of mystery in Japan, where the mystery focuses more on plotting and clues. Um, This book made him incredibly famous, apparently so famous that he temporarily had to move away from Japan because people wouldn't leave him alone. Oh my goodness, Um, that's amazing. There have now been more than two dozen novels um, featuring the same characters uh, that have been written. Whoa. And The Guardian named this the number two locked room mystery of all time. So, of course, I had to look up what number one was. Seriously. And now I have to read it. Uh, It's called The Hollow Man by John Dixon Carr. So... Um, it's great fun. If you like mysteries, <laughs> I'm sure everyone else is probably <laughs> like, that was so obvious, but not me. I was like, I don't know what's happening. That's a, I don't know. That's like a great blurb when an expert reader of a genre, <laughs> um, which, you know, like the thrillers and mysteries are built on certain formulas. So yeah. it's amazing when an expert reader of those things is stumped by the mystery. I think that's a real success. Yeah. So once again, it's called The Tokyo Zodiac Murders by Soji Shimada. Awesome. 
Are we going to talk about our next sponsor now? We are. I was like, wait, that's me. That's still me. <laughs> You're up, kid. <laughs> All right. Our second sponsor of the day is Penguin Random Audio House. I just said it backwards. <laughs> that's okay. My Bob brain just left. <laughs> Penguin Random House Audio. Yes. Uh, when I get mail from them, Bob walks into my office and goes, you got mail from a random penguin. And I'm like, oh, yes. gosh, that, could they just send me a random penguin? I'll take any penguin. I get so excited to talk about books that like my mouth moves faster <laughs> than my brain. Okay. So Penguin Random House Audio. <laughs> yes. They know what I meant. <laughs> So uh, they're pushing book clubs today. Book clubs are a great excuse to get together with friends on a regular basis and enjoy each other's company, opinions, and conversations. And bottles um, of wine. And bottles of wine, yeah. That goes without saying. Like, every book club Obviously. has a bottle of wine, yeah. Um, but listening to an audiobook can add another dimension to the conversation, as well as help book club members who don't necessarily have time to read uh, be able to still manage to participate in book club. So if you want to give audiobooks a try and work it out for your book club, but you don't know where to start, you can go to random... Oh my goodness, I'm not going to be able to say it now. You can go to penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club, uh, and they'll give you title suggestions and other advice to help you get going. Um, I know you've listened to several audiobooks. As I've discussed a few episodes back, I'm still... You know, starting. Yes, but you probably yeah, I, have great titles. I love audiobooks. I don't listen to as many of them as I would like to, like in a given month, because I listen to them primarily when I'm in the car, and I'm not in the car that often. But I tend to go towards nonfiction for audio because it makes me feel like I just have a smart, funny friend along for the ride, or like my favorite college professor is sitting next to me teaching me about stuff, uh, and that's a great way to go for this September book club focus from Penguin Random House Audio. You can enter to win a prize pack of some of their suggested listens so that you can win these free audiobooks and then you can check them out for your book club or you can share them with your book club and then everybody can get together and talk. So when you go to penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club, you'll be able to check out these recommendations, including Pirate Hunters, Rising Strong by my girl Brene Brown, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, a book called We Never Asked for Wings, the Admissions by Meg Mitchell Moore, The Girl in the Spider's Web by Stieg Larson, which is the new Lizbeth Salander book that Larson did not finish before his death, but that a new writer whose name is not currently in my notes uh, did finish. And so that's <laughs> out <laughs> would be, I think that would make for a really interesting book club discussion because you could talk about what happens in the book, but you could also compare if you think it's similar or different from the first three that Larson wrote himself. There's a lot of ways to go there. Um, if you listen to Brene Brown for your book club, you're probably going to end up just like talking about feelings for several hours. And I would suggest packing Kleenex for when that happens. Uh, but Penguin Random House Audio has a, a ton of great suggestions. These are just a few of them. And so go to penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club and check out their suggestions and enter to win a prize pack. Thank you for finishing that. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Sometimes it takes the tag team That's back right. again. Check it, select it. Let's begin. <laughs> <laughs> is it my turn now? It's your turn. Yay. Okay. This next book is kind of a sleeper surprise for me, but one that I'm really delighted to have loved. Uh, it's called Cat is Art Spelled Wrong. And this is edited by Caroline Casey, Chris Fishbach, and Sarah Schultz from Coffee House Press. It's a collection of essays by a really eclectic group of writers who meditate on why we can't stop watching cat videos and what the proliferation of cat videos says about humanity 
and about our culture. Um, so this all started, um, Coffee House Press is based in Minneapolis, and they do a partnership with the Walker Art Center, which is an, it's what it sounds like. It's an art museum art center in Minneapolis that started several years ago holding the Internet Cat Video Festival, where like 10,000 people get together to watch the year's best cat videos from YouTube on a big screen. And the Coffee House Press folks just thought this was really fun, but also really fascinating. And they started noodling on why is it like, what is it that cat videos are doing for us? And why cat videos and not like dog videos or turtle videos? Like those things are all great, but there's something. <laughs> I don't <They're> know. Slow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the turtle just buffers forever. Yeah. Um, but like, what is it about cat videos that we are also drawn to. Uh, so they ran a Kickstarter. Uh, Coffee House Press ran a $25,000 Kickstarter. And part of it was producing this anthology. And it's so great. Like, I am not even a cat person. I am really allergic to cats. So I've never formed an attachment to a cat in my personal life. I don't watch that many cat videos. But like, I do know Grumpy Cat and Lil Bub. Um, I thought this was great. Because it's mostly not about cats. It's about this piece of internet culture and what it says about humans humanity. The pieces range from really philosophical um, to deeply personal stories about uh, like a person who brought his child, their first child was born and the cat did not get along with the first child. And so they had to uh, deal with that problem with their cat and then how cat videos and watching the old videos they had made of their cat after they had to give him away um, factored into sort of recovering from that experience and making sense of it. It's great. Uh, if you love cats or cat videos, or if you're really fascinated by internet culture, and that's the bell that this really rang for me, um, you don't want to miss Cat is Art spelled wrong. I love Coffee House Press. And I just realized, because I'm not very smart, uh, that the next book that I'm going to talk about, my last book, is also mm -hmm. published by Coffee House Press. Ooh, awesome. They're so and fantastic. You are very smart. Mm, it's true. I am. Everyone thinks I'm stupid, you are. but it's a facade. <laughs> <laughs> a facade. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Shrugs. <laughs> There's a lot of giggling today. Um, it's Friday afternoon. Yeah. And you're going on vacation soon. So why I'm going on vacation next week. I'm like an hour away from starting yeah. out of office. You're like, Let's get do going, this lady. You're the only thing keeping me from going. <laughs> All right. So my last pick, Coffee House Press, is Story of My Teeth by Valeria Luiselli. Um, Luiselli is an amazing Mexican writer. She was recently awarded the National Book Foundation's 5 Under 35 Award. Uh, Coffee House Press published her two previous translated works, um, there was Sidewalks, which is a great collection of essays, and Faces in a Crowd, which I believe is her first novel. Um, anyway, for me, it was love at first sight. I loved her writing. Grabbed me. was very excited to hear that this new book was coming out. Um, her writing is so insightful, but it's like with, she puts just like a little bit of a different touch on things, like a little different spin. Um, she shows you things in a way that you never imagined before. And the story of my teeth is about a man named Gustavo Sanchez Sanchez. Um, but he's nicknamed Highway, uh, and he is quite a yarn spinner. He <laughs> goes on to tell the story of his life, like how he was born with four teeth already fully formed in his mouth. His parents were kind of freaked out. Um, how he had an esteemed position working at a factory. He was a guard, but then he comforted someone so well that they gave him a position comforting people in case anyone ever needs comforting. Um, he talks about how he has really bad teeth, and so he had them replaced with those of a famous movie star. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you who it was, because that would spoil it. But um, and he talks about how he ended up a rich, legendary auction t- auctioneer, auctioneer. I can't talk. And uh, Facade. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he also collects teeth, just like you do. Um, <laughs> Does he just have like jars of them? I don't want to know. Never mind. It's a, don't it's a very esteemed collection. So, like under Major Domo Minor, this book is so absurd, but it that is what is part of what makes it so much fun. Um, it always feels good to read something that you like have to think about, and it makes you feel like you've never heard a story like this. Like it's not similar to anything else, and it's so it's so great, and it's so so funny. Um, I laughed a lot because it's just absurd and brilliant, and I hope that we get a kitten ton more books from her. Um, there's this part at. Uh, where Highway is telling himself the story of Little Red Riding Hood, um, because he does that sometimes to help himself calm down, which is something I probably need to, to work on. Um, so when he's nervous, he, he tells himself the story of Little Red Riding Hood, but he says it backwards. He likes to jumble up the words. Like, oh, the focus, huh. focusing on it really helps him. Uh, and so he calls the grandmother Thermogrand. Um, and I was thinking that if I ever have a speed metal band, I'm going to name it Thermogrand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I'll thank her, like, in the liner notes. Anyway. So, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And again, that is called The Story of My Teeth by Valeria Luiselli. All right. My last pick this week is the paperback release of one of my favorite books of last year. It's Bell Jar by Meg Wallitzer. This is spelled B-E-L-Z-H-A-R. It's a play on the idea of Bell Jar. Uh, this is a young adult novel about a 15-year-old girl named Jam who has a traumatic experience um, with a boyfriend and does not recover from it very well. So her parents send her away to a fancy boarding school in rural Vermont for troubled teenagers. Um, early in her experience there, she finds out that she's been assigned into a special topics in English class. You can't request this class. You can't sign up to take it. You get, you just basically get told that you have been selected for it. Um, and each year, it's a small group of students, uh, only like half a dozen students take this class and they focus for the whole semester on reading the work of one writer. Um, And the semester that Jam is in there is the work of Sylvia Plath. So they read Beljar, and their teacher gives all of the students a journal and tells them all to write. They have to write in their journal every day. It can be about the work that they're reading. It can be about their personal lives, whatever. Um, But they have to write in their journals every day. And they Jam and her classmates start realizing, we, we learn as readers first from Jam, that when she's writing in her journal, she finds that she's going into this other place, like this sort of other mental world um, that she refers to as Beljar, from, uh, which is where the title of the book comes from, where they're able to see things and have conversations and essentially to process the traumatic experiences that resu- that are what landed these kids in this school. Um, eventually, one of the kids says out loud to the other kids that this is the thing that happens when they write in their journal, and they all start talking about it privately away from their professor. They don't know like if this is supposed to happen. Is it a thing that the professor or that the teacher did on purpose? Is it a big secret? Uh, but through the writing in their journals and the reading of these books and then the conversations that the reading and writing prompt them to have with each other, these kids learn to deal with the difficult experiences that they've had and to have healthier relationships with each other. They form friendships and they explore romantic relationships. And it's this great, great story about 
the power of books and reading, the power of the written word in our life to help us through and beyond tough experiences, but also the ways that love of the written word helps us connect to other people and how those connections help us to heal. It's just fantastic. I'm deeply jealous that today's young adults get the kind of young adult literature that exists. Um, it wasn't a thing when I was a teenager. I could I can look back and see moments in my life. And I think other people in Generation X probably feel that way too, that oh, it would have been so great to read a story that really hit on those deep feelings of being a teenager and trying to process all the parts of life that are hard. Uh, and teenagers today are so lucky that they have Beljar by Meg Wallitzer to read. And adult as well. It's wonderful. Uh, so it's B-E-L-Z-H-A-R, Beljar by Meg Wallitzer, and it's out in paperback now. Awesome. It's so good. So those are our new books this week. We're running a little long, but that's okay because it's the biggest release week of the year. What are you going to go read now? I am going to go read a book uh, called A is for Arsenic, The Poisons of Agatha Christie by oh, Catherine Harkup. That's, that's yeah. the most liberty book I've ever heard of. Yeah. And the, my friend works at an indie bookstore. I asked her to order it for me. And she was like, yes, of course. That's great. And then she's like, do you need to tell me anything? And I was like, wait to get the sale first. Good job. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's just this geeky book for Agatha Christie fans about uh, the different poisons that she used to kill characters. Um, she claims that Agatha Christie used poison to kill her characters more often than any other crime fiction writer. Oh. But I think part of that is because she wrote she wrote more eighty something books. Right. You know, so but yeah, so that's that's my geeky that sounds exciting great. book. Um are you gonna read a book now or are you gonna go on vacation and just I'm gonna take play some Angry books Birds? on vacation. <laughs> I don't know. Last year I went on vacation and I managed to not read despite having taken like twelve books with me. I think I'm probably gonna read. I have a bunch of flights. Uh so I'm going to read The Longest Night. It's a novel coming out in January, so quite a long wait by Andrea Williams. And this was pitched to me by the editor as um think Revolutionary Road, but set in the American West. Uh and that's all I know about it. That's all I want to know. I like to go into books as blind as possible. Um, it was. It also came with a thumbs up from um, Frederick Riken, who's a wonderful novelist who wrote a book called Day for Night that I loved several years ago. And I trust his uh, word of support a lot. So I'm looking forward to finding out what that's all about. The Longest Night. Oh, I think I have that. I, I do really want to read that. It looks great. And uh, Revolutionary Road is, you know, like ang the sort of prototypical oh. angsty married people novel. Uh, and so setting it in the American West and taking a different look will be interesting. Um, Before okay, we that's... conclude, I would like to thank you for helping me out <laughs> through this episode. This was like the podcast equivalent of tucking your skirt into your underwear. <laughs> Um, so thank you for that girl it was not that bad but <laughs> we all have our moments I don't know how people who host podcasts just by themselves or like they just talk into a microphone for 30 minutes do it yeah. lots of editing I assume uh, so that's our show for today we want to thank our sponsors again The Last September by Nina DeGramont that's out from Algonquin I highly recommend it I read the book before I realized they were sponsoring the show because I was going to talk about it as one of my picks uh, I'm glad we got to do that anyway also, thank you to Penguin Random House Audio. Go 
to penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash book club to get the recommendations and check out giveaway information. And don't forget to use the code MORECATS when you go to bookriotlive.com to save 20 bucks on your registration. Please come hang out with us. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can talk to me on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you would take a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, it helps other listeners to find us, other people who love books. Also, if you like this show, you should look for Get Booked, which is our colleague Amanda Nelson's new biweekly podcast where listeners write in requesting personalized recommendations and she and a guest host each two-week period, will recommend books specifically for that request. The debut episode is out now, and it's about books to read if you read A Little Life and then got a book hangover, uh, which I think very many of us did. So that's called Get Booked. It's in the iTunes store. Check it out. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, and there are 1,100 more. So uh, many. We just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash books. As well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter, which I write. It's great fun. I love to tell you about new books. And yeah, that's it. Um, what else do you have to reading. say? Happy reading. Happy reading.